leading to me is getting up every day and go for the goal that I've set to achieve in my work and not to be afraid of what others tell me, but to try to take others with me on this journey. Around the world, women are unlocking an equal future for everyone. They are breaking stereotypes, fighting inequality, and leading boldly in places where historically women were left out. You are listening to World Women in Charge, a podcast that shares stories of women around the world who are challenging the status quo and shattering the glass ceiling to lead the change. I'm your host, Rupa Dash, the CEO of World Women Foundation. This episode is produced in collaboration with Organon. Organon is a global healthcare company dedicated to making a world of difference for women, their families, and the communities they care for. Today's guest is Angela Mass, a professor in the cardiology department at Radboud University Medical Center in the Netherlands. Angela was inspired to study medicine by her father, who was a doctor. In her youth, she was also interested in women's rights. I remember that when I was a student in the 70s, a medical student, uh, I was quite involved with the second feminist movement. I thought it was important for women to be economically independent, to have equal rights. And when I look back now, I think what I've done in my work as a cardiologist, that I've incorporated women's rights for equal health care in my work. And this is what's very important. So female patients, women, they have equal rights to be treated uh, accordingly, uh, the, the current standards and the current insights of cardiology um, that perhaps we haven't done enough in the years uh, before. So during my studies uh, in one of the universities in the Netherlands, um, I decided that I wanted to be a cardiologist. So I trained cardiology in the 80s of the last century. And it was a bit strange. During my training, um, the standard patient was the male patient. As a cardiologist in the late 80s, Angela couldn't answer many of the questions of her female patients. She didn't know at that time that the reason for this was that she had only been taught in school to treat male bodies. They asked me often, what is the reason of my symptoms? Why do I have chest pain? And I realized that I didn't have the appropriate answers. So in 91, the first publications appeared that there may be differences among men and women with heart disease. And at the same time, 
those patients um, started to ask me questions about this. Why don't you know the reasons of my symptoms, why I have chest pain? So it, it fell together about 30 years ago. The questions of the patients, the publications in the medical journals, and I started to follow everything that uh, was published about this subject. And, you know, I haven't been done anything differently since then because there are so many differences among men and women um, in, in the cardiac vessels, but also the heart muscle itself. And after all those years, still now, after 30 years, female patients are often treated like male patients. So we have made a lot of progress in our knowledge, but what you see is that uh, clinical practice lags behind. We don't incorporate the knowledge that we have enough in our clinical practice. So I think that we need more uh, education also for the next generation of cardiologists to learn how to practice sex and gender differences in daily cardiology practice. Angela believes that it is essential to recognize that women bodies work differently than men. We have to take into account that the life course of men and women is quite different. Women uh, have their pregnancies, of course, uh, or they are treated for infertility um, and that all this kind of, of events may impose a higher risk on cardiovascular disease. Women also have their menopause at a young age or at a later age. And with aging, comorbidities are quite different among men and women. And these are perhaps not exactly risk factors, but risk variables that also count for estimating their cardiovascular risk. So we have to look more at the whole context of our female patients, which is different from men. We have to make cardiology practice more gender sensitive, more appropriate for the kind of patients that we have in our outpatient clinics, more suited for women. And also the cardiology community hasn't been very friendly for women not for women uh, cardiologists, but also not for female patients. So we also have to change the culture of cardiology into more women-friendly uh, discipline. That's very important. There are also socioeconomic factors that create differences between men and women's health. We know that uh, men earn more than, than women. There is still a, a paying gap, even when uh, men and women have the same kind of jobs. The women often have a single mom household, having children. We have seen in the COVID crisis how difficult uh, it was for women working in healthcare, and many women do work in healthcare. 
because the children were at home. Uh, often they had no husbands. They had to earn their money. So socioeconomic factors are also important for cardiovascular health. And this also uh, is the case when we talk about stress. Men and women act differently when they have stress. Stress imposes a different kind of risk in men and women. And what we now see over the past decade, perhaps, that we see more myocardial infarctions in women in the younger age group, between 40 and 60 years. And these are different kinds of myocardial infarctions, not caused by atherosclerosis, but, for instance, caused by vasospasm or a sudden dissection of one of the coronary arteries. And this kind of myocardial infarctions don't happen quite often in men. So our society also imposes new problems in our female patients. Angela has been advocating for a gender-sensitive approach to medicine for decades. But her intentions haven't always been welcome. Over the past 30 years, I have encountered a lot of resistance among my colleague cardiologists. It wasn't easy to bring a new way of gender-sensitive cardiology into the outpatient clinic. I've had hate mails, telephone calls, um, even, you know, um, colleagues have threatened me with lawsuits that I didn't uh, uh, treat my patients accordingly to the male standards that we all had learned. But, you know, with the ongoing progress in knowledge about uh, sex and gender differences in the field of cardiology, I've always felt a lot of strength just to continue. And over the past years, I had several times, I had a coach, a kind of therapist to help me um, not to, to become, you know, uh, frustrated, um, to keep on going with my goals and to help me to get my life work uh, done. Angela also received support from her female colleagues. As women cardiologists, we had to learn, we enforce each other and to help each other. So some years ago, one, uh, a few cardiologists from the US and France they have made the, the Women as One cardiology community. It's a virtual community, but uh, we, we, we help each other. We advise each other. Uh, we even write papers together. And it's so important that we support each other. And I think perhaps from younger age on, men are more used to have this kind of networking. But um, I've learned over the years that we as women, that we can be excellent in networking and helping each other. And what we also do, we raise money for the younger generation to have fellowships, to support their research project, also to help the younger generation. 
because it's not normal that the next generation should have the same problems as we had. So we can help the younger generation to move forward in a faster pace than perhaps we did over the past decades. So by joining together as female cardiologists, we are bringing healthcare for women to a higher level. Angela wishes she sought out this sort of support earlier in her career. What I've learned that perhaps I should have done differently, um, when I was striving for better cardiology care for women, um, uh, in the beginning, uh, I have felt quite isolated. So what I would do now differently when I could start again is to look for um, a community, colleagues, um, to do it together. I've been, for years and years, I've been too much alone on my own. And I think if you want to reach out to your um, discipline, but also to, to the population and to women, you need to have a kind of task force. You, you need to have a group. So don't try to do it alone, but look for um, colleagues, um, whatever people that can help you, because it will it will be very helpful to bring the message uh, over the the stage and to to get things done in a faster way than perhaps I did. Besides seeking mentors in the workplace. There are many ways to learn from other women. Over the course of my career, I had many women inspiring me. And some of those women I've never met. Uh, they could be writers, they could be uh, doctors of a different kind of speciality. But you can have many mentors, women that you admire that you read biographies, that you think, well, what she has done is interesting. It helps me to bring my goals uh, further uh, onwards. So um, I had a few um, female colleagues of an older generation who really helped me and advised me. But I had many more other women from all kinds of uh, fields in, in, in society who were great inspirations for me and who still are great inspirations for me. So read books about, you know, women, what they have accomplished. You can learn from lives of other women. And that's also why I try to be an example for the next generation. As an advice to younger um, cardiologists or doctors, women, um, try to learn along your whole life. Because by learning from others, but also from papers, from books, education, we can also inspire other women and, you know, influence in a positive way. Uh, our current uh, society, which is still quite male-oriented. So even in a small way, uh, we as women, we can mean a lot 
to other women also far away in the world we live in. Angela herself is a role model and a leader to many women and girls. Leading to me is getting up every day and go for the goal that I've set um, to achieve in my work and not to be afraid of what others tell me, but to try to take others with me on this journey. I'm leading change for women by inspiring the next generation. And I'm a mentor for many women, but also I'm an example even for small children now. They send me mails, etc., how to become a doctor and how to achieve the goals that I've set for myself. I just got a mail today of a girl of nine. She had to give a talk on her school and she wants to give a talk about me. So we can share our experiences. We can um, influence others and inspire others in the best way we can. Angela is someone to look up to because of her continued commitment to a gender-sensitive approach to medicine. There is a lot of work yet to be done in advancing this issue, but there are also reasons to be hopeful. The important changes that we have seen in patients themselves is that also by using the internet, um, women patients, they have learned to ask more questions and they ask very good questions. So what we need is that patients themselves, women, are more involved in the choices that we make in diagnostics, in treatment, etc. So patient involvement in the future, but also home monitoring, for instance, of blood pressure, High blood pressure is the most important and also deadly risk factor in women worldwide. So women can help themselves to, to diagnose uh, hypertension. And specifically, women after hypertensive pregnancy disorders, these women are at elevated risk to develop hypertension at young age. Women can help their doctors to establish the most appropriate diagnosis. So we need now to collaborate better together, doctors and patients, and to discuss what is good or what's not good to do with their symptoms. In order for women's health to be taken seriously, we must also have more women in the position of leadership. According to 2019 report by World Health Organization, 70% of workers in healthcare are women, but less than 25% hold leadership positions. So the changes that we need in the near future uh, are that um, women uh, should have more leading positions in healthcare. We need more women on the higher positions also to change the culture and to make changes in clinical practice. So don't hesitate as a woman if you can get a higher position or 
a more leading position. Just go for it. I hope that Angela's story inspired you to be in charge of the change you want to see. If you haven't already, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast, World Women in Charge. Your support will help us reach more listeners. For more updates, you can follow World Women Foundation on Twitter and Instagram at World Woman Fund and LinkedIn at World Woman Foundation. That's it for today. We hope to catch you all in our next episode. This episode is produced in collaboration with Organon. Organon is a global healthcare company dedicated to making a world of difference for women, their families, and the communities they care for.